Hello and welcome to Resident Advisors Exchange, our series of conversations with the artists, labels, and promoters shaping the electronic music landscape. I'm Jordan Rothline, and I'm the tech editor at Resident Advisor. Our guest this week is Anya Schneider, wearer of many hats. She's a label owner, DJ, producer, radio host, and longtime Berliner. Next week, she'll kick off another season of Mobily rooftop parties in Barcelona. The events have become a huge part of the identity of the label and of the city's party landscape in general. As I learned over the course of the interview, her history in house music extends well beyond the decade she's been running Mobily. Listen on to hear about Trezor and Planet in the early days, how she nabbed her first radio job, and the legendary boat party she threw on a Berlin canal in the 90s. You can find our full archive of exchanges on residentadvisor.net and follow us on SoundCloud at RA-Exchange. An exchange with Anya Schneider, up next. As we noted when you came in, it's very spring-like here. Warm weather has finally yes. come back to Berlin. Must have you thinking about summer. I mean, what are you looking forward to? Oh, in general, like the sun is coming out. The summer in general is beautiful in Berlin. And for me, it was always quite hard to understand as a real Berliner as I am, because I'm here more than 25 years, so I can call myself a Berliner. <laughs> I actually do. and. It's for me must, I can't understand what the people think about Ibiza, what is the attraction. Because if you come from Berlin during the summer months, doing this, starting out, Berlin changed completely and it has such a special, amazing vibe. And I'm always happy to leave Berlin, especially at the weekends for gigs, because it's amazing. So much parties popping up. The whole city is completely different and um, it's completely different vibe and atmosphere. So I really enjoying every summer here. Also the winters, I have to say, yeah, <laughs> but the summer more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the winters here are rough. There, there are really so many venues that sort of come up a lot of open air stuff that's happening here. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's amazing. As soon like the 1st of May, you uh, have so many clubs starting, so many parties, you never heard about it. And even for me as a Berliner, it's quite heavy to follow all this and, and to know what's going on. And there are some recent clubs I've never been like, even they opened up last year, like Ipse, Elsa. So there's a lot of things on my list still, and it's getting every year during the summer months more. So mm -hmm. I have a lot of things to do this summer. Yeah, I was gonna ask, since you've since you've been in Berlin for, for quite a while mm -hmm. now, I mean, has it, has it always been like this? Is this sort of emergence of the open air culture here something that's happened in recent years? Of course, it was not always like this, because uh, when I came in the beginning of the 90s, I came to Berlin 
to to be a part of the special vibe. It was like we had the Trezor, we had the E-Work or formerly Planet. There was like this huge connection to Detroit, what really attracts me to come to the city. And um, of course, also the, the, the years in the 90s, it was not so busy like it is now. So I also remember the times where the clubs really had to fight to get full every weekend. And um, I'm doing since all these years already a radio show, which is also on Saturday. And a part of my radio show is to inform the people what's going on. And I remember back in the days, in the middle of the 90s or end of the 90s, every club was calling me every Saturday. Hey, can you really do this? Can you say that we have a party with this and this, this DJ and I have free tickets? Today, no one calls me because the clubs are anywhere full. We have now this tourism, we have EasyJet, we have this rave city, Berlin. So, which is good for, for, for the whole scene and for us for, as a DJs and for all the musicians here. But it was not always like this. What I discover, which is a good, good thing, when you have all these established clubs like Watergate, Berghain, Panorama Bar, what else? Berlin always had like this young, upcoming underground scene because the young people, they want to have their own thing. They're now tired to go to Watergate or Berghain. So they build up their own underground parties. Or maybe they don't have so much money to go in these clubs because it's, it's quite expensive if you compare it to 10 years before. And so they build up their own scene which is really really interesting but this was always a special thing of berlin and um, i really love this mm -hmm. i mean you've now been doing radio for well since 2000 i think so uh, yes oh my god <laughs> you've been running mobily for is it 10 years mm -hmm. this year so you are i mean you're part of the establishment now that sort of establishment you're talking about i mean do you still get out to these sort of underground places in Berlin? Are you still involved in that aspect of the scene? I have to be involved of this because I still have this radio show. <laughs> Actually, I don't like the, 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 the meaning of be a part of the establishment. But, uh, establishment. Well, yeah, it has, a, it has a little bit of an iffy connotation, <laughs> but I just meant but you're, also you're around. But it could be... You know? could be interesting i have to think about this i heard it for the first time thank you for this <laughs> of course i don't have the time really to 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 follow up all these these new things but if i have a free weekend or if i have space i'm always interested to go there and i just discovered last year the club sisyphus which is like amazing you know and it existing um longer so it's quite quite interesting what's going on and um, like i said before i have a lot of things on my list for this summer because there are so many uh, locations and venues and parties, I really have to check it. And I really want to see what's going on in Berlin. Because when you're traveling as a DJ around the world, I'm always, I always, I'm come from Berlin, I see myself in Berlin, and I see my sound from Berlin. So you always have to stay connected to the basic scene here. And, and this is for me also the young people, the underground. You mentioned before coming to Berlin in the early 90s, and you said that you were sort of brought here by a vibe. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit more about that. I mean, was it music specifically or something more general? It was absolutely music. And I remember it, <laughs> it was like yesterday. I grown up in Cologne, it's a little town before Cologne called Bergisch Gladbach. And uh, I was traveling with a little Citroën with this... Um, little old car to Berlin. It took me nine hours. It was my first weekend. And I had a little list. I heard about Tresor, Detroit. I heard, of course, about some DJs. And I was completely by myself. And I had like this huge list. And I've been to the Tresor. And it was kind of the same like that have it these days. There was upstairs the Globus and downstairs this legendary Tresor. But at this time, it was 93 or something. They played 
upstairs a little bit hip-hop. So it was not all techno, but downstairs there was this really Detroit techno. And I was standing there for five hours and I couldn't find the way downstairs to the Tresor, what I read. And I think it can't be this because I'm reading so much stuff about it. They were not playing this music. It's not the kind of people I expected. And after five hours, I had all my 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 strength together and, and asked someone, I said, sorry, is this the legendary Tresor? I was really young. And I remember this really like yesterday. This guy took me by the hand and brought me to the end of the Globus. And it was a little stair. He said, you have to go there. And I remember this. I think everyone has the same feeling if you nowadays enter to Berghain. You know, when you go the stairs, like your heart go, there's a different world. It was the same kind of thing for me. It was smelling different. There was this huge strobo, the music. And it was already five o'clock in the morning. I'm coming from Cologne, which was for me like <laughs> unbelievable that I enter a club at five. And I could stay there until seven, eight. And then everyone went to Planet, which was for me like, whoa, still going. And there's not as normal people and not like really people there halfway, <laughs> you know, whatever. So this was um, for me like a huge, huge thing. And um, after this weekend, I decided to stop everything and to move to Berlin because I could feel there's something going on and I want to be a part of it. I don't want to miss this and I don't want to spend my time in Cologne working or studying, uh, working in an advertising agency. I really want to be a part of it. And this music touched me so much and I made the decision and moved to Berlin. So what did you do after you got here? I mean, <laughs> how, how did you get involved? Oh, actually I was, I find a job, a normal job in an advertising agency, and I was living like the most ravers only for the weekend. I was Monday to Friday in the office and couldn't wait until it was five o'clock, went out of the office, had the most funny outfits, you know, this was really neon, really high buffalo shoes. It was 94, 90. And I went out and I went Friday to Tresor, to Planet, uh, to eWork, and um, I tried to be there until Sunday or like move around but all by myself which was quite hard because I didn't know anyone but I enjoyed it so much and I enjoyed the music and this time was completely different vibe no one was dancing in front of the DJ everyone was dancing together so it was quite easy to find friends and to make friends like it is today hopefully because I was every weekend out and I was always really into it into the music I know everything I was a quite good viewer so I know the scene quite well and I know exactly what's going on and I was never be a part of it because I was standing there and I know everything. I know the music, I know which kind of DJ it was. Of course, it was not the time that we had like resident advisor and could read about it, you know. It was quite hard to find out who was DJ Clay or Dr. Motte or DJ Sneak, for example. This I remember and all the Detroit guys. But I made my way and... Then after three or four months, I decided I can't really work in this advertising agency because it's not the life what I want to be. I want to be, I moved to Berlin to be a part of this music scene. And it's not that I have to work now normal hours and then go only out. So I stopped my job and there was like a little radio station where it was not like on, on a high frequency. It was like a pirate radio station, Kiss FM. DJ radio. It was not called DJ radio at this time. It was a little station which came and tried to be more for cultural exchange. But the only thing what I realized, they played some electronic techno music. 
I remember Paul van Dijk was doing the morning show, but not as a DJ, just a normal morning show. And Ellen Alien starts her show there. So there was like a, there was something what, what attracts me. And what I did, actually, I went uh, with my little Citroën to Neukölln. <laughs> there was the studio somewhere in Weserstraße. And I knocked the door and there was only run by three people. I said, hey, coming from Cologne, I'm really into this music. I can I work here? Do you have a job? And said, yeah, we have a job, but we have no money. I said, I don't care because I was, it was like, you know, a decision of my life. And then I start to work there as a program manager. And this was the most intense time of my life. It was like 10 years. And, and every morning we called all the DJs. Hey, are you able to do a show? We went into a frequency, we get a license and we went to a cultural exchange to a DJ radio, which was quite interesting. And, uh, this was a really, really exciting time for me. It's interesting that you described this mm -hmm. as sort of the most intense time in your life. I mean, it seems like now you're doing at least as much as you would have been doing then, maybe even a lot more with quite a bit of travel thrown into it. I mean, what really made it sort of such an intense experience? Because it was also really new. And we didn't know what we are doing there. We didn't know, or I didn't know what kind of music I'm featuring or I'm a part of it. And then everything starts here in Berlin with the Love Parade. And it's getting bigger and bigger. And I remember this was also something quite intense, really important thing for me. There was this Love Parade and we were thinking, okay, what can we do as a little pirate radio station? Well, can we do something? And then I had the idea, okay, why are we not putting a DJ booth on a boat? And we put this boat on the Spree, exactly there on the Molkebrücke. I don't know if you know where it is. It's there where the Kanzleramt is. And then we starting Friday, six o'clock in the night, and we ending up Monday, six o'clock in the morning, every hour, another DJ. 60 hours, I think we can make this because it's love parade, so many people coming. Let's do it. Yeah, Anya, if you think. So I call 60 DJs, I can do this. And then we were thinking maybe we do some sunbeds and before for the friends of the DJs because they bring probably some friends and that they have a nice time. So everything was booked, all good. And we started Friday, it was 94, 95. Oh my God, I don't know. We started Friday at six o'clock. And after one hour, I realized, okay, forget about the sunbeds. It was like unbelievable because it was on air. We had the whole weekend 60,000 people. The people were jumping out of the bridge. It was like unbelievable. I couldn't go home for an hour. It was really running out of our hands. It was completely anarch anarchy. <laughs> anarchy. But it was like unbelievable. It's both DJs like Richie Horton and they, they called me. They want to play there because I didn't ask them because I was a little bit afraid of doing this time. So everyone wanted to play there. It was like amazing. But all the clubs in the city, they hated me because they were empty because you had a free entrance and it was like... Unbelievers was a party on the street, on the river. Basically, wherever the boat was. That, the boat that was, was standing the... there. And oh, it's it was a just legendary. There. Actually, when I'm today, when I'm crossing this place, I always get goosebumps. And it's like a really, really emotional feeling for me. But after this weekend, all the clubs, they know me. And I was there only like one year in Berlin. And they hated me because the clubs were empty and all the DJs played for free there. And this was actually not my really intention. I really wanted to do something for the music. So I had to do a lot of work that they liked me. And then I was working still like today for the radio and I always worked together with the clubs after this, you know, but also for the DJs and for the music at first of all. And this was quite intense because the music was new, like you said before. And yeah, and after this, actually, 
we all known that we are really a part of a really big development. We were all tired about all this rock and roll shit. <laughs> Let's say it like this. And we know there's a new music in the States as long, at least for the next 30, 40 years. Tell me about your radio show, Dance Under the Blue Moon. You've been doing this since 2000. Yes. Um, how, how did that all come together? Yes, after all this this first time experience with Kiss FM, I had already a, like a big name in the radio scene. And then I got like an offer from Fritz, which is like a part of the RBB, because they didn't have such a much good standing in the scene, in the electronic music scene. So they asked me as a consultant first. And Kiss FM was not this anymore where we started. It was so, um, sold. It went really commercial. We had suddenly a playlist, which was like terrible for us. <laughs> we, we have to play this because we were always like, oh, let's do this or this. So it was time for me to go into a professional way. And then I worked for Fritz first as a consultant. And then they asked me to work as a program manager. And I accepted this. And then after also some years, they said, why are you not doing a radio show? Because I made all the concept for the electronic music. And my boss asked me why I'm not doing this by myself because I have all this knowledge and I know the people, but I didn't want to because I was really established in my marketing job. And of course, when you do first time a radio show, you think, oh my God, you do something wrong. And then also your other job, you, you, they, they don't take you serious. Maybe you go like, hey, hello, this is Anna Schneider. This is my radio, you know, <laughs> some typical mistakes. When you do first time, you have a microphone in front of you, which is not bad, but it's normal. But I said, okay, let's do it. And this was the second best decision of my life because I love so much to play music for other people. And this was the opportunity. So I had the radio show. And of course, I did this first mistakes and really crazy words. And I'm really happy that no one has these tapes anymore, but probably some people have. But of course, this is like the, the way how it is and a part of the fun. And I was also doing some broadcasting um, from the clubs during the whole night and in the club. Hey, you know. This was quite, quite, quite good. And um, I'm doing this radio show still. Sometimes I have the feeling they forgot about me because it's Saturday night, 10 o'clock. <laughs> they don't see me. Of course, I'm recording the show every week, but yeah, I'm still doing it and I still have the same fun. But of course, times and all the behavings of radio changed because when I grew up, radio was for me the most important media uh, thing to get the music you know to I know exactly where I could hear some DJ sets nowadays you can hear everything everywhere in the internet for every kind of, of music you like every DJ and when I started I had three hours on a Saturday night and I had every weekend guest every week a DJ set and uh, now I have only two hours and I stopped with the guest because like I said before you If you want to hear a DJ of blah, blah, blah with a set, you can go and have it everywhere. Mm -hmm. And what I'm doing now is more like playing the hottest new tracks, in my opinion, or maybe some tracks that are important because I know that, that people want to know big names make a new track. They want to know what it is and tell the people something about the tracks, that it has a story, producer, label, whatever, no? mm -hmm. that it's not like one minute here and goes... Sure. I mean, do you think there's still something that radio can do that sort of this, all of this podcast stuff can't? I mean, I mean, is there something that you're able to do with your show that kind of makes it special, that, that makes it something different from what people can get elsewhere on the internet now? Sometimes I try to do this, but honestly, 
I have to say, um, my time is so limited and I wish I have more time and could more be concentrated on this. What I did sometimes, if someone of an artist I like did an album, I invite him and we do one hour completely different stuff. Please bring your tracks, what we never expect from you in your DJ set. Tracks you really hated, you're really embarrassing with tracks or what you heard when you were like a kid, your first record. And this could be sometimes really funny. I remember, I'm not sure if I can say names, but it was really, really cute. I did this with Matthias Kaden. And it was the first hour, it was full of Deutsche Schlager. <laughs> and I always had to get in to the radio and say, hey, friends, this is still Dance Under the Blue Moon. <laughs> Because everyone was like, oh my God, this wrong program. But this is something where you got attention and which is quite interesting. And this is what I want to show. But of course... You need also guests who want to show this. You know, Matthias was quite open and not everyone is because you want to have your image and you don't want to play like a... Yeah, it requires sort of a certain kind of person to come on uh, and play a couple of hours of Schlager, you know. Absolutely, but this is something what I really like, but I have to do it more now when I say it. Now that you're doing the show, it sounds like basically just you doing the show every week for two hours... Uh, sort of what goes into the process of getting the show together every week? I try to to make an interesting two hours what's coming out, which is the new tracks and what is hot or what could be hot or maybe some play some classics. And what I'm doing always is, thank you, that um, because you're helping me a lot with this, I'm doing party tips. <laughs> so I copy Resident Advisor <laughs> and I read it. Because what I learned is because my radio show is going to be heard by all over the world. And some people in Brazil or Italy or Greece or whatever, if they hear the radio show and if I'm doing the party tips and they hear the name Watergate or Berkheim, they're freaking out like, oh. <laughs> so they come always to me, this is the reaction like, oh, and I liked it when you're doing the party tips for Berlin. But I mean, everyone can read it, you know, they don't need me, but it's a, like a part of the show and I'm still doing it. I've read that Mobily sort of was an outgrowth of the radio show. You were getting so many demos in that you couldn't play, but you wanted to find a good way of featuring it. Did your sort of career as a club DJ, did that also come out of doing the radio show? Yes, because uh, during this time, I was not a DJ at all. So I bought all of my records, what I played in my radio show. And of course, I was quite happy when people sent me demos. And I was really listening to e every one of this, each of this. And then I played it in my radio show if it was good. And then suddenly, like, the Kai from Word and Sound came up to me like, hey, Anya, you're doing this radio show. You have this connection to these new people. You have, like, already a big name. Why are you not doing an old label? And actually, I was working already on some ideas for music and did a compilation for the Love Radio. So it was quite natural and clear that I had to do it. And this was actually the idea of Mobile to use my name and to give like a platform for these young talents. And these young talents, they came, like Panpot, Sebo K. <laughs> and now I'm really proud of what's, what, what happened to all them. The label kicked off in 2005. You know, maybe it was sort of a being at the right place at the right time, but that also sort of coincided with a lot that was happening in dance music. And, and your label was sort of at the forefront of this, I would say. Yeah, but there are always these periods what happening. And during this time, it was quite a good time. But I will say also today is a good time to start a label when you have the, the special idea. When we started the label, there was like this huge hype of minimal. 
and everyone called us a minimal label, but it was not actually our idea. I, for me, it was always house, kind of, you know, music you can dance to. But during this time, also the waves of trends and, and music were a little bit longer than it is nowadays. So minimal, we had this for four or five years. So we were really swimming on this wave, let's say it like this. And we were thankful of this. And of course, nowadays, when you're not this hot label in town anymore, you are 10 years You have really to establish your name, your image on a different way and deliver still quality music. This is the goal. What would you tend to listen to in the music that you thought you were going to put out on Mobily? I mean, I mean, what attracted you to this particular music? Sort of what what are you listening for for the label? It always has to touch me, of course. Somehow it always has to make me dance. <laughs> It sounds really egoistic, but in the end it was like this or it is like this. And I'm always quite well looking into it that every artist who is on mobile has like a special thing, what is memorable or what is not a copy of XY. So every artist on mobile has his own identity, his own profile, his own style in the end. So we were quite a mixture because I find it always funny if everyone said back in the days we are a label of minimal because we had Seboke who was completely deep house, it had nothing to do with minimal. We had Panpot, they were completely different. Rodriguez Junior. So I always had to smile if they put us in this category. And um, this is also still like today that I'm always looking that everyone has something special. And of course, when you are young and you want to be a producer or DJ, you have your idols and you're hearing this and then you try to be like this one. And could be, in the end, not enough. Like the artists who were who were on Mobley, how how sort of involved in kind of building up all of this stuff are you? Are are you very involved in their careers? Are you making sort of suggestions about how to? I'm quite involved um, because we are all really close, and I'm very happy because everyone is asking me. So of course I'm doing my suggestions, and there's always a really really good discussion ground let's say it like this in mobile everyone is quite open i don't want to use the name family because it's always sounded a little bit i'm the mama and whatever no it's not like this we're sitting all together even if we are not in one have one same opinion and we discuss things also about music and i'm really really happy that all the artists and people involved in mobile are intelligent enough to discuss with me or with everyone so it's always like a really healthy discussion and uh, sometimes also it could be that I'm not right which is also sometimes happened and then I'm in the end happy that it was the other way around when someone comes and, and tell me about his opinion and do the other way but it was always in a really creative critical process let's say it like this The label has been a platform for a lot of different artists over the years. Sebo K, Panpot, Exercise One. I mean, these are just some of the names that mm -hmm. kind of pop into my into my mind. But it's also been a platform for your own music as well. Uh, when did you first start producing? Oh, this was also, it was before 2005. It was actually 2004. And my first two releases came out on Pias. <laughs> and I did this with Sebo K because we were long-time friends and I always known from the first moment I met Sebo that he has a special gene 
of production and is a very, very good DJ until uh, now. And so I asked him if he wants to work with me. And we did the first things together, which was really good. And I'm really thankful for it. Mm -hmm. I mean, what is your studio process like? You still do release a fair amount of music. Um, yes, and I'm working always with someone. I never did all the things by myself. I started quite late and I was still busy and I didn't have the time really to get like eight hours in this process of to get logic or Ableton or whatever. I need a technical hand. And honestly, I like to work with someone in all the ways. I like the discussions. I like to sometimes to go somewhere with someone. I need the interaction always in every kind of work. So I'm not like this ego thing. I work with a lot of talented producers and it's also not quite easy to find a person you can work with because the most of the electronic producers or DJs, they following a certain own way. And it's quite difficult to produce someone else because I come up with my ideas with this certain baseline and with this kick and I don't want to have this one and I want to have more melodies and I want to use this synthy. And to find someone who said, yes, I don't like it, but okay, let's try. Or even show it to me or show then a better way how it sounds maybe different it's quite difficult to find a person because the most of the producers doing it by themselves but i was really um, happy to work mm -hmm. with really great producers i started with zebo k but then of course there was the time zebo had to work on his own career and we both know it he was on mobile and uh, he's doing a great job and he's still like a really good producer i worked then also with marco resman because he was doing this time a part of panpot and is also a really good producer, but he had also too much things in his head, which is also was good. And then I made my first album 2008 with Paul Britschic, which was quite, for me, a big step. It was a really intense work because he's a really, I don't want to use the word nerd, but it was a positive. He has like an amazing talent and he showed me some musical advices, which I'm super thankful after this production of my album, I had a completely different ear for everything. And he really helped me a lot in my process to be an artist. And because it was a really intense work, it was uh, used a lot of analog stuff. And it was, it took us even three months and we were seeing each other every day, <laughs> eight hours, which is also kind of difficult to find the right person for this, but it worked out. Now I work with um, Martin Ayara, which is also like, he is an amazing producer. He has an amazing studio, this Riverside studio. This is a kind, I see it a kind of a follow up with Paul, because he's also this kind of person who really can produce someone else and put himself as an artist in the back. Yeah. Have you found that every time you've sort of gone into the studio over the years, I mean, are you taking a lot of these experiences with you? Do, do you have a better idea of what you want Absolutely. when you go in? Absolutely. Because after, like I said, after my album, I completely um, changed artistical way in, in, in my ears and my ideas. And um, now if I come to the studio, I have really a full picture of ideas, sounds, even with the bass or with the kick, I know exactly what I want. And I know exactly, not exactly, but I know it better now, what goes together, what's not going together and how we can build the groove and how we can hold the groove and how we can make an atmosphere or create an atmosphere with the track. And yeah. Something else I know is very important for the label is the Barcelona party every summer. 
This is something that's been going on the rooftop party at the Hotel Diagonal. How did this get started? And what do you think makes it really special? We're doing it eight or nine years this year. And it started during this time where, yeah, where we all were still quite excited when something is starting. Also with the label, we didn't have like the idea we want to make a big business. We had the idea we do a label, we use my name, we have a lot of cool people around us, we can find them, we are networkers, we have ideas. But it was not the idea, I want to be a big DJ, I want to make a, a lot of money, we want to be a big record label. And it was quite fun thing, you know, but of course with a professional uh, approach and stuff like this. But we had a lot of fun. We not used this fun until now, but of course it is a certain, it's a different level. And during this time we had all these crazy ideas and we were not thinking about, and we were, I know it was not like this super special idea to go on a rooftop and make a party, but during this time it was in Barcelona because no one else had the idea. And we were in this hotel and we just asked and they said yes. And we're still doing it because we have nowadays such a good relation to this hotel, what we need or what you need today in Barcelona because it's so hard of, of restrictions and, and you need like a very, very good uh, trust to each other. And they know what we are doing. We know what we can do and we would be stupid to leave this rooftop. And this was actually the first idea. I remember we had like all together, all mobiles. We were in one little apartment, almost all sleeping in one sleeping room. It was like, you know, this time. No one was booked no? at the party. Maybe, I don't know if even Panpa or Zebo, I think no one was booked. And we wanted to do something. And also for our friends, because it was fun. And then we said, why are we not going to this rooftop? And we invite all our friends and we can play music. We have some friends. Okay, let's do it. And it was just partners and friends. And you couldn't get enter when you not had an invitation. We did it by stamp or like really by hand. It was not professional. It was not even printed or so. I'm not sure if we even used resident advisor for this. <laughs> but this was actually the idea. And in the beginning, it was all the people that was on a Wednesday. They came to came into Barcelona or it was even Thursday because now, of course, it starts already Tuesday. And everyone came first to us to have a drink. And this was the whole story about it and now we're doing it again at Sona and we're doing it the whole summer because we have the opportunity and it's a great rooftop and of course of these restrictions and we are limited with the capacity we can't get anyone in doing Sona so we do it the whole summer on a Sunday and what year did you guys start turning it into a like an entire summer series I think last year we did it for the first time do you feel like this event I mean sort of having this happening with the labels since the very beginning and kind of coming out of this sort of heady atmosphere, all of these different ideas, do you see this event as sort of a, a creative recharge for the label? I mean, does it does it kind of keep you excited in the same way you were in, in those early days? It's absolutely like this, and especially for the new artist. They are super excited to play there. If I not book them there, I mean, they would be super disappointed. And it always surprised me because everyone really get concentrated, think about, oh my God, what I'm playing on the rooftop. So it's good to have this. And of course, we are excited. I remember last year I had to leave on Saturday morning. I couldn't be there for the Saturday party. It was really terrible for me. I was really sad. And I was in London, which was good. I played for the Found Festival, but I missed it so much. And I was like, oh my God. So and, and this year I made sure that I will be there for the whole days. 
What do you have uh, in store for this summer? So the summer is going to be, of course, quite exciting for us because 10 years of Mobile, it's, it's a lot of pressure then you have, you know, you have to do something for 10 years. And we're doing some festivals, we're doing a 10 years Mobile stage. Also, one thing where I'm really looking forward is um, we do a 10 year stage here at the festival somewhere in Brandenburg, in Helena Beach Festival, which is in Frankfurt Oder, because we're coming all from here. The radio show was really related to this area. So I wanted to make sure that we also go back there and do a show there. And then, of course, we have something in Croatia and some other things in the pipeline, which is good. And of course, the whole Zona and Barcelona thing. We've talked a little bit about what you have in store this year for sort of the 10-year anniversary celebrations. I mean, are you thinking ahead to the next 10 years? Do you want to keep doing this with the label? Uh, I'm really not such a big friend of these numbers and years. And this is also why we have not this big shout out of 10 years and this big, biggest events. Because I, I don't like numbers and I don't like years. It's like, uh, of course, we're getting all older and we get more experience. But I always try to keep it a little bit cool and not make like a big buzz out of it. Let's say it like this. And... I will be really, really happy if we go on because we have a great team in the office and the artist. And I never thought that we're going to be 10 years and that we're sitting here and doing this interview when we started this. And of course, I will go on because I can't do anything else anymore. <laughs> this is my life. This is uh, my passion. And I can't imagine I will stop this. And the aim is really to to be still interested, to be still excited. Because if you lose this, then you lose also the passion for this, what you're doing and for Mobile. And Mobile was always really passionate things. And of course, I loved it so much and I loved the music and I love every artist of us. So I really try to not lose this, but I can't see that, that I'm losing this or my interest for music. Mm -hmm. So, And I hope we're going to be there. And I'm not sure if we still do a regular vinyl in 10 years or whatever, but um, I will hopefully release like in these terms, we do it now also in 10 years mm -hmm. and have really great successful artists. Really. <laughs> <laughs> I said this before, but it seems to me like you're doing basically as much now as, as you've ever been doing. You're, you're still doing the radio show, still doing the label. You're, you're DJing quite a lot, still going into the studio. You have, a lot going on, I think, outside of your music career too. You're a mother now. Are you still really excited by this pace? I mean, could you imagine slowing down at all? Or do you like this juggling act? I like it still. It's, it's quite, um, I can't really imagine to slow it down. Of course, sometimes you think about DJing is, is one part of it, which is amazing, but the travel sucks and it's terrible. And if this, you know, sometimes I really would love to be happy to play only once a month because of this travel. But I love to be in clubs. I love to play music and I love to feel the vibe. This is a part where I can say, maybe I slow it down. And of course, it's really hard for me every weekend to leave my family, my son. And it's going to be more harder and harder. For him, it's fine. But for me, it's terrible. I miss him so much. <laughs> and this could be maybe a reason but I will never, ever lose the passion for music or to be after this and to, to, to look what the new kids are doing right now. I like to be it. And I like to be also to go out in clubs, to go out of my bubble. Because when you are like a 
DJ traveling around the world, playing festivals, whatever, you always live in your own bubble. And sometimes it's really important for me, like I said in the beginning, to go out to this little crazy parties where the people throw out in a park and go there and listen to this, get inspired. What's doing, what, what the kids are doing right now. This is for me really, really important and a huge thing. And I will never, ever lose the interest. And it could be a little bit embarrassing when I get really old and still on <laughs> these parties. So I have to think about this. <laughs> but your question before was why back in the days, my time at starting radio was so exciting more than now. Because now, of course, I get more professional. I get also the age takes a lot. Because if this happened, all what happened to me in the last five years, 10 years or 15 years before, I could not take it. I would be more too excited and, and maybe too crazy about it. So now I'm really relaxed about it. In the end, I come home and say, okay, I just played records and gave hopefully people a good time. I think when you are young and you're fresh in this business, it's quite heavy to get this, you know. And you also have to step a little bit away from this and have a different view. And for me, it's also quite, quite important to have people also around me that have nothing to do with the music. And because sometimes you get crazy. Also, when I open up my Facebook news feed, it's only like, DJs, music, DJs. And I try to be in other groups now to be like a little bit more arty or whatever. <laughs> or if you have some adv advices that I have some other informations, you know, not like, oh, this night was great and traveling now to this and the food was not good, whatever, you know. So this is for me quite important. <laughs> Obviously, Berlin has changed a lot since you arrived. It's a completely different situation here. But people, like younger people, are, are still coming to Berlin and being incredibly inspired by it and they want to come back and get involved in the music. I mean, as someone who who went through that during an earlier time, is there any advice that you would give to people who who come to Berlin and say like this is it for me? Like I want to I want to get involved in the scene that's going on here. It's it's a good thing first of all. I really like this and I'm really happy that all the young kids coming and enjoying this. And it doesn't matter if it's Berlin or if it's in Barcelona or wherever, as long people get into this music. And I really also give a shit about how they come into this music. If they were hearing before whatever EDM, and in the end they ending up at Mobile, I'm fine with it. I also started in a different way and, and took my time to get to this music, what I'm now doing. The only advice I can give is like, be yourself and yeah be yourself be authentic you know and don't try to be something what you never can be or but this is something what you have for life always you know it's not only for music and of course it's getting more and more difficult nowadays than it was 20 years before because we have so many djs we have so many releases every monday it's quite quite difficult but as long you stay yourself true and not to behave stupid or to try to be someone else then hopefully you have a good chance to to make your way 